everybody. Welcome back to the show. Me and Dan sat down last night and honestly just talked about deer hunting. We talked a little bit about you know what we do when we go on a scouting trip. It really didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. We also got into a whole bunch of questions and a whole bunch of other stuff. So you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Before we get into the episode, I have to thank a couple of my sponsors. The first one being Osseo Gear. Osseo Gear is a great option for whitetail hunters. They developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing on the market in quality. Plus, you get a lifetime warranty, which is awesome, um, for anything you buy at Osseo. They have a super unique camo pattern uh, and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable in the stand. Visit ASIOgear.com to get you some premium hunting clothing. Also got to thank Exodus. Exodus doesn't have any ad reads at the moment. Just go over uh, to their YouTube channel, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and check out all the stuff they have on there. That channel's got some crazy growth this year. Um, they also have a whole bunch of awesome podcasts on their platform. Um, they have Land Podcast, Deer Gear Podcast. They got um, their, their Trail Cam Radio, all good stuff, all kinds of good information on those platforms. So go over to Exodus stuff and, and give them guys a subscribe and check them out. Hunting Beast Gear. Season's coming soon. Get your pre-orders in for the beast stand. Um, you really can't beat a beast stand, beast sticks. I think it's one of the best systems on the market for mobile hunters. Go check them out at huntingbeastgear.com. And finally, got to thank Uncle Lou over at Stealth Outdoors. If you haven't gotten your stealth strips yet, get them ordered to get that gear all prepped for season. It's right around the corner. Visit stealthoutdoors.com and get you some stealth strips. All my partners are linked in the description below. Let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It's Tuesday again. We don't always do them on Tuesday. We do a lot of Tuesday night ones. So, what have you been up to, Dan? Anything special this weekend? Mm, yeah scouting uh working on food plots and uh feeding the raccoons there you go i uh i told you this already but i'll tell everybody else i i had a uh, almost called dan saturday my mom drove by my house and she's like there's a baby raccoon in your front yard i'm like oh heck yeah and i was doing something i can't remember what i was doing i was working on something and i had to just button it up and it was probably like two minutes later i, I took huck out there and i was gonna, we we're gonna, I was gonna recall Dan to see what I should do with it. And then a little thing got hit on the road between my mom driving by and the time we got out there. So didn't work out very good. Things get hit on this road though. There's a lot of semis and geez, man. Looks like there's some like uh, real blonde ones in there. Yeah, some of them are real dark and some of them are, uh, that's that's this afternoon i was out feeding them yeah you definitely need to include more of that in your uh in your videos people get a kick out of that that's crazy yeah it's just a fraction yeah how many you reckon you feed like how many you think come in i think it's in the neighborhood of 60 and you feed them all dog food or what do you feed them usually dog cat food and uh cookies you think all of them are like rescues that you guys have had over the years and no, just kind of. Oh, really? Most of them are wild. Yeah. Okay. 
I got you. I know you guys have rescued a bunch of them and they end up coming and going, right? Some of them will get healthy and kind of come and go. We used to, we used to do a lot of it, We but it got out of hand. I mean, um, when we got the license and we agreed to do it, um, um, the DNR was recommending everybody come over because nobody else would do it. And, uh, yeah. we ended up with, uh, 150 baby raccoons and taking care of them was really a lot of work. Oh so yeah. Them, I would just disappear and hunt, you know, but it is kind of funny because, uh, Carol walks down or they run. Anybody else walks down or they run. Really? Mm-hmm. They, but they like it. you. Yeah. <laughs> is it because you're the one feeding them? the driveway to hear my, my loud truck and they come frolicking. Is it just because of food, food, food yeah. you think? Is that, I mean, yeah. are you the one that feeds them most of the time? All the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, now we got a turkey. Uh, hen turkey's been coming closer and closer and closer. And she's roosting in the yard now. And she'll walk right up to me now. And uh, oh, we've, we've got uh, ground squirrels, um, the ones with the stripes th- with the dots in them. Yeah. Um, most people call them gophers, I think. Chipmunks, um, right? No, not chipmunks. So we oh, got those. Like the the, the chipmunks drop, jump right on top of me and eat out of my hand. So, yeah. But they're they're they're, little, they're not very buttholes. They they uh they seem cool because they'll jump in your hand and eat the peanuts and stuff. As soon as you yeah. run out of peanuts, they'll give you a look, and then they'll bite your finger and look at you like, "Give me some now." Oh gosh! They'll start like attacking you when you run out, and once they get like they lose their fury. But the ground squirrels are kind of cool. Um, that you they pop up like meerkats all over yeah. the yard. They're watching me feed the coons, and they'll come inching closer and closer and closer. And you throw a cookie, and they'll run over and they'll get it, and yeah. then they'll run with the little tiny chipmunk-sized gopher be running, dragging that cookie back to its hole, and. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did the like do the coons get regressive to the other animals or do they kind of all uh coons, coons uh kind of like want their space they'll get real aggressive with the other ones they'll crawl and oh. snap and bite um the one i feel the sor- sorriest for is mr angry he's been coming in for m- many years he's got both of his ears chewed off and half of his tail chewed off and he's getting really old he's um a big coon but he's real skinny he's one of the orange ones and yeah. uh Mr. Angry, um, even the little babies are beating him up now because he's just he's getting too old. old. I know I took a picture of him today. I'll see if I can find it. How old do you reckon he is, Dan? Like, how long do they stick around? Oh, uh, he's probably, you know, um, I want to say at least 12 years old. I mean, we had one one that lived to 15 in captivity. Yeah. And uh, But it's hard to gauge it because that one had all it could, wanted to eat and stuff. It stayed fat. But this one really is just old and see if and so make. so they're probably similar to like a dog then that's about how long they live um, that's crazy i was laughing earlier because you said it was really out of control and i was like compared to like that because <laughs> because <laughs> it has to get uh i'd say that's gonna go through a lot of food 150 yeah, this one, really this one here uh i'm really watching close it's a real little tiny baby that has no mom but oh, uh, it comes in and eats every day, so I'm trying to let it be so it just uh, it gets by on its own. Yeah, but I think it's living right there because it's because it comes out instantly. But it's yeah. real small. It looks small, like a run of the litter or something that came out of it. Yep, I thought I was gonna have a pet raccoon for a minute, but <laughs> we have a feed mill down the road from my house and. uh, 
semis are constantly coming by and they don't think they can really stop for anything. They just kind of, I mean, which I get it. They really can't swerve and miss something or uh, slow down fast or any of that stuff. So there's not much stuff. We've had dogs hit on the road and everything else, but is that uh, Mr. Angry? No, it's just one of the guys. Just <laughs> Oh, that's funny. If someone else goes down there with you, do they get pretty uh, skittish or do will they, come off, they won't come as close? Yeah. Jeez. That's a big one. Oops. Yeah, that's all right. Here's, here's a, a floppy. Yep. Floppy, we, we've seen floppy that one before. She's big fat. Here's Mr. Angry right here. Okay. Yeah, he looks pretty old and run down. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. What is it with coons and you guys? Like, what did the what started the coon thing? You know what I mean? When, like, I, was a, when I was a kid, uh, I had pet coons uh, growing yeah. up. Um, and uh, when I got older, um, when I got married, um, we were at a family party, and. Uh, my niece found a baby raccoon in the road that had a broken leg and uh, the bone was coming out of the leg. I think it got hit by a car. Yeah. And uh, she brought it back and uh, it was a cool little guy and, but he's not going to live with a bone sticking out of his leg, you know? And uh, my wife wanted to save him and I'm like, I don't think you can save him. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, I think we should just kill it. And she's like, let me try. Let me try. And I'm like, okay. So she uh, started calling vets and stuff, and they wouldn't touch it. They wouldn't yeah. touch a, a wild raccoon. So then uh, she called the DNR and asked them what to do, and uh, she got a savvy warden, local one for Jefferson. Old guy. He's not here no more. But uh, he said, you know what? I know what you can do. You can get a license to take care of raccoons. And, uh, helped her get a license because he wanted her to have one so that he could uh, do the rehabbing because nobody was doing it. Yeah. And she got this rehab license. It took her a lot to get it, but she also got a captivity license to keep that raccoon. And then she, with that license, she was able to get a vet to work on it, but not in Wisconsin. She had to travel all the way to Iowa. And they tried to save the leg, and it ended up losing the leg. And we had a three-legged raccoon. Um, and that three-legged raccoon is the one that lived to be 15 years old. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was a cool guy. Mm. Giant. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I imagine if they're in captivity, I mean, they probably don't, or, you know, if they're pets, you know, they probably eat all they want and they don't. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest know. them for pets because uh, when they get to be about a year old, they can, they can really get bitey. Yeah. You know, you can change on a dime. Uh, they ain't a cat and they ain't a dog, and there's a reason people don't have pet raccoons. Right. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, when we had them in captivity, you got to remember we released them as soon as they're old enough to be released. And we, right. I tried not to humanize them. Like I didn't spend too much time playing with them. You play with them, they come just like a person and they'll run up to people. We've yeah. got one in captivity now that uh, somebody had uh, humanized. Yeah. It's the only one we have right now that's in captivity because we can't release it because it just if it sees a person, it just goes running up and tries to give them a hug and jumps on them and they think they're getting attacked by a rabid raccoon, you know? It's right. Just, but uh, she's like like the size of a, a giant fat black lab with little mini legs. She's just like monster. 
Oh my gosh, Dixie. Dixie. Mm-hmm. She oh, never got it. She, she's uh, one of the very few that never got mean. Really? Yeah. Now I can go yeah. out and pick her up and everything. Hmm. Yeah, but how how would uh, someone just walking down the road know that? You know, if a big right. old raccoon was coming up to you. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I went out to my piece of pub, private. I could, I can hunt today. The farmer texted me and said that he got all the CRP out and it's all planted. So, um, they did, he, he planted every, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe he won't plant the front half or the whatever. Um, he did, he, he got everything. Everything's in beans. There's one, one small little, probably five acre spot that has corn in it and the rest is all beans. Um, Mm -hmm. it was kind of surprising how good it looks too. like how, I mean, they got rid of all of it, but good as in a farmer looks, it looks good to a farmer, you know, (laughs) you still, where you got that plot, you still got that Island, the trees. Uh, yeah, all the trees are still in the CRP, but there's no more food plots at all. I mean, he got rid of all of it. Mm. He till, so if that was corn, I think that Island would be pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I agree. There's beans all around it right now, but, um, I think it's still going to be good. I mean, I think the deer will live in that island still and come out in those beans, but mm-hmm. um, there's not a very good spot to get in those, you know, in that island and not, not a lot of trees. But it'll you got some corn be, out there uh, somewhere. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of corn down in the bottoms, you know, where along the creek there, it's all corn. Mm. So, so it's like a give it and take. The creeks will have good cover. Yeah. Yep. Um. And there's that that bean field will be the only one in a pretty large or long distance away. I mean, there's not any, it's corn all around it right now. So um, it might be good early season. And they just planted it last week. So it's late mm-hmm. getting it in. Um, I kind of, me and Huck went in there and I just looked around and it's different. I mean, it's like a new, new farm almost now. So, mm-hmm. um, but I had a big, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. I had a, I built a shooting house there to take huck and stuff, but they just, they just uh, picked it up with a big forklift and moved it for me. And it's just sitting there in the parking lot. So I got to figure out what I'm going to do with that thing, but it may just sit there for a while. <laughs> Put it somewhere for gun season, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That I'm kind should... of excited to see how it changes it though. See what, see, you know, it's yeah. just like a new, new spot now stuff changes i mean that's just life oh yeah i mean you can look around and you could find a way to get a little food plot in there if you really wanted to somewhere oh in yeah there. You do some trees or something you know like clover you can fit in small spots but i don't know if you really need to i mean if if you uh hunt that sporadically like you will anyways you got all that public yeah. i mean it just uh it just drives oh. you to harder on the public and i mean if it were me yeah. i mean if you if you squeeze me and you say, okay, I'm taking this away from you. Like a big property that I hunt on or something just tells me that I better get out and scout harder and push harder on the other stuff, you know, and learn more so that I, I don't get contained in a small area and not have enough yeah. to hunt. Yeah, exactly. Um, there is one little spot where I, I was, they didn't, they didn't plant or anything. They won't. Um, but I don't know. It's one of those things where I spend all that time doing it and then, you know, 
they decide next year to plan it or whatever, you know, I'm just yeah. like, yeah, but we'll see. Um, but I'm, I'm excited that there's beans in there. Just, I don't know. I never had beans on that farm at all. There's never, they never plant beans. They tell me back in the day when they would plant beans in there, it would get so many, uh, so much deer, um, deer would be all over them and they'd have a lot of loss from deer. So they quit planting beans. That's what farmer told me. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so now that there's beans there, I'm kind of, um, curious to see if there's, it brings in more deer during early season or something. Yeah. The, tr the trouble is you open so late. I know. They're pretty much dead by September. I know. Yeah. But man, they, that those beans are, I mean, they're not even hardly out of the ground yet. So hoping that they, They'll probably be pretty yeah, green. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Time will tell. I need to get out there and just glass them, glass those bean fields to see how the deer are using it, though. It's the one good thing is that you'll, you, you should be able to uh, use those beans kind of like a food plot, glass them, watch yeah. them, and see if there's anything really, really big around, you know? Yeah. Maybe you set your goals by that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think me and dad are going to go out there Friday kind of um do some looking around and just seeing how things have changed because they did there was there is a excavator out there and there looked like they did some work in the back that's so we got to see what they did back there but i said they just pushed in some there's some trees and stuff out in the middle of the um crp that had fallen in so they probably just pushed those in the woods i'm sure that's what the, what it was for but um who knows you never know uh farmers seem to like to get rid of trees so yeah, around here they take out every tree line, every tree they can, oh, yeah. just to get like six more inches of corn. Oh yeah, get, they can get six more uh, plants in a row where there was some shade from a tree. They'll do it. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, I know. I was really worried about them just like taking out because there is like there's two different uh, patches of uh, woods in there in the CRP. And I I kind of was like, I bet it's just a matter of time before they push those over. But he's like, no, we're not going to too much work and i'm like okay good so the the patch is a little thick cover and they're still in the middle of the crop fields and you can get to them like they're all they all um, are accessible so you don't you know you don't have to walk through the beans or anything to get to them which is nice um i don't know there's something else i was gonna ask you about oh are you all smoked out up there i was talking to crazy yeah i was yeah, talking to you go outside and your eyes hurt and your uh you can't see a mile. I mean, it's it's almost like it looks like it's going to rain, but you can kind of feel the sun beating through, and it's real hot out. Yeah. And you get out there, and you can smell the smoke. It's it's really smoky. I was talking to uh, Eric and Gary and them, and that's what they said. They said you can only see like a mile or a mile and a half. Mm -hmm. The shop was crazy. But uh, smoke at work today. Really. Mm -hmm. Gosh. Well. It's funny, we opened up the overhead doors in the machine shop, and I don't work in a machine shop. They put me on display in the freaking <laughs> assembly area now. And uh, I mean, I, I had to go in the machine shop to get some tooling and stuff. And I come back out, and uh, one of the managers is over by me going, Yeah, I told the, he starts talking about the smoke, and he's like, I told the painter, uh, Harrison, that he, uh, you know, he's got this vent open and it's pulling the air in. And it's filling this place up with smoke. He goes, you can't even see across the building. He goes, uh, I told him to stop doing the painting. And and uh, he told me it's got a, an exhaust and it pulls the air right back out. And it does. And he goes, 
but I don't think so. It's filling up with smoke. And I'm thinking, yeah, the, I'm not telling you they got the door open in the other room. But I'm thinking it was Harrison. Oh, that's funny. That fire has been burning for a long time. I feel like you guys have been talking about it for ever now. Remember uh, when I was bear hunting in Minnesota was on fire up there? Yeah. And those guys told me it'll burn to January. They said Really? That, uh, yeah, they said it'll burn underneath the moss. They can't even get it out. It gets so hot underground it's burning because the moss Jeez. is underground. So, yeah. That's, That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super crazy. And it's been dry, so it makes everything worse anyway. But, well, hopefully it's, uh, I don't know, doesn't sound like it's going to go out, but hopefully the smoke at least clears out a little bit. I mean, I think it's all, I mean, I heard New York's the same way. I mean, I think it's everywhere, smoke everywhere. It's it's like hazy here. I know Chicago and that area was bad, but oh well. I was out scouting. I seen a lot of deer sign. Did you? Yeah, I went, what I did was I went and uh, I went back to some spots that I had hit either last year hunting or this spring scouting that I didn't get like set up or properly looked at. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I went back and looked at them properly, made sure I had a good access, which tree I'd be in and stuff like that. And really, I was really kind of surprised at some of the stuff I found. Um, the first spot I got into was the spot where... Um, Last year, um, Eric went in there and had a spike come out early season. Mm -hmm. You know, we all hunt the spots once or twice. And then later in the year, we had all those deer tracks going. I don't know if you remember that. It was just mm -hmm. you know, when I sat there, I was like, I'm going to kill something. I'm going to kill something. And then that pheasant hunter came walking right underneath yes. me. Yeah. You remember that? Oh, yeah. So I went there and I looked at that. And there was a couple dead branches I could break out of the way and get where I could hit everything properly. Mm -hmm. And then there was, uh, it was all grown in with, the underbrush was uh, orange julia. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was getting browsed real heavy. And there was patches of stinging nettle that were browsed real heavy. And there was deer tracks everywhere. And then uh, I noticed a, a branch on the ground that had acorns on it. A little Because we had just had a massive storm. Yeah. The branch had come down and had acorns. So I looked around and the only oak tree around is right next to there. And I, I, I'm sure I noticed it before, but it probably didn't have acorns on it or anything, right? Yeah. But I'm looking at that, and I'm like, holy crow, that thing is loaded with acorns and is the only oak on that point. Nice. And anything where those deer are coming from has to be in front of it, and they have to come out of that water and stuff to get to it. I mean, that's – I think opening setup. day, that's going to be really hot, and I wouldn't know that if I hadn't gone out and checked it. Yeah. So that was a good setup. And then I uh, I went further back, and um, – uh, to this way back in where there's this canal, uh, kind of like a river. And, uh, there's a tree growing out of the, out of the ground. And I had noticed this, um, before everything is buckthorn, but from that tree, I could shoot across this canal into a spot where all these trails and sign had come through. So I went over there and I climbed up the tree and found a spot. And I was like, yeah, there's a good spot. I could get a stand in here. And I'm looking and then I, uh, I got down and uh, I'm trying to get across this this creek, and I mean it's not. It looks like the water's two inches deep, so you know start stepping in it, and right on the edge you go over your boot instantly and muck. And, hmm. Yeah. So I'm like looking around, so like, yeah, maybe I'll just take some of these dead branches, dead trees, and stuff, throw them across. I'll just walk on that, and the, the muck will hold it up. 
So I did that. I got up there. I was pretty sketchy. And I got way to the end. I was kind of running out of branches. And I stepped in one and went through. And I went down to my, like, uh, over my knee, never hit bottom, and just dove forward <laughs> and uh, filled my boot up. And I, it was the stinkiest muck. Oh, yeah. And it was just following me around the whole time I was out there. And when I went home, I, I took my boot off, and that muck splashed all over my, my uh, uh, stairs. Yeah. It's still on her. It looks like I painted it black. And there's a big black footprint on her. And Carol's like, what'd you do? And it won't wash off. Uh, <laughs> my pants are still hanging in a tree in the front yard by the deck. Yeah. You know, uh, I wasn't coming in the house like that. Yeah. You know, that, that Creek, uh, at that private, uh, farm I have, you, you, you crossed it, I think to get to that spot you hunted, mm-hmm. uh, that, that big, pretty big Creek, yeah. uh, well, when I take Huck out there, he always wants to go play in that creek, you know. And so after we were done, we we drove down in that by that creek, and he got to play. And he had he had his knee high boots on, and I was like, uh, I I told him I said, now don't go over your boots, you know. I don't want you to get all wet. You're gonna be you'll be all uncomfortable. And I'm like, I gotta go to the truck, and uh, get my camera. And I walked up to the truck. I came back down. And he was like up to his belly button in that creek. And I'm like, he, and he looked at me. He's like, oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> So we ended up just, he just, I was like, go ahead and swim around. He just swam around and for probably an hour, he swam in the Creek. And then I just took his clothes off and we drove home. But, but, uh, that's what, uh, I was going to talk about, uh, tonight. It's kind of, uh, it, it reminded me, I went scouting late last week and it was like this spot where I was excited to go in. Like there's, there's, you had to cross two separate creeks to get into it. And the first creek is kind of like the one you were just describing where it's only like seven foot wide, but whenever you step into it, like you go up to your waist and muck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, ha- I ended up, it's been dry here. Like it's been everywhere. And I still went almost past my hip boots in it um, going, going through it. And then the second one was, it, it can be really deep, but it wasn't deep. It's a creek, but, um, and then after I got across those two, you got to walk about, I don't know, probably, you know, three eighths of a mile back to the swamp where, uh, I kind of thought was bedding was going to be. And I got back there and it was honestly like pretty disappointing. Um, wasn't a whole lot, a whole lot of sign. Wasn't any like old rubs really. And, uh, what, what do you do whenever you run into spots like that, especially like this time of year where I may have just like overlooked things, you know, it's everything's green up and, you know, everything's chest high, vegetation's chest high and all that. Um, how much, like, right, what would you have done in my situation when it come to going back someplace where you like, no, there has to be a big buck in here, but you can't find anything. I don't know. Uh, you know, I look at the stuff where it looks like it should be mm-hmm. a walk transition, stuff, but I don't see it. I leave. Yeah. I write it off. I mean, and I do write off a lot of stuff. Um, occasionally you go back a different time or you look at it different from a different point of view and things start to come together. Um, yeah. in those first videos we did, um, we, um, recently with, uh, Eric mm-hmm. where I, uh, scouted the, um, the spot where that big buck from last year was, yeah. um, we drove way out there. So, uh, that spot, uh, on the second video we were scouting and we, we got into this area and we felt like we went too far. We went past the bedding and then we came back, you know, and we found a spot where there's a scrape and some stuff, but not a lot of sign. 
we come back and there's this bedding area and we go, well, that's closer to the crops. You're coming this way and blah, blah, blah. And we went out of there and we we're like, well, okay, we've got, you know, two setups here, but it's rut mm-hmm. island. And then uh, we decided we had to come back one more time. And that was maybe a mile out. And we wanted to go like three miles out and scout into back to that spot. Cause there was some stuff out there that looked good. And we got out there and there's just this huge bed in there and we couldn't find a spot in there. And it's like, you could tell just big bucks are just living in there, but just like no way to penetrate it. You got to get to the outskirts, you know, and it's a tangle of cattails and crap, you know, with mixed trees. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really just like mind boggling. How are you going to hunt this? And then when we came out, we we're trying to look for, come on, there's gotta be a spot where all this comes together where we're not just, we're not blowing this and that to hunt this, you know, there's gotta be a spot where things come together and where you can get a downwind side and not damage it. So as we got closer and closer to this rut Island, it started coming together and coming together. And then we popped up on this little Island and we run into this scrape and it came right up out of bedding and good bedding with big rubs and stuff. And this scrape is marking another trail. We follow the other trail back and here's all these big buck beds and stuff. And you realize it's, is two trails coming out of two bedding areas and it's all the trails condensed meeting at this scrape and it's a bed scrape. And then I look around and I realize, Hey, this is the scrape we looked at from the other side where we said, well, this is stupid. There ain't no deer here. And we left. Mm-hmm. It's the same spot, but from yeah. a different point of view coming in from the other way, we saw it different. We, we recognized the bedding there. And I think in the first time I looked at it, I just had in my mind that the stuff behind me that we hadn't looked at yet, that's the bedding. That's the bedding. And we went back there and that's good bedding. But we didn't yeah. look at the stuff up ahead. So, I mean, every now and then you just, uh, a second look from a different point of view, will give it to you. But I'd also caution that most of the time you keep going back to a spot like that, you're wasting time. Now, I've had a lot of spots where I'll see a real big buck a time or two from a vehicle or I'll hear a rumor about one or somebody's got a trail cam pick of one and you go in there and you just can't put two and two together. Now you can struggle with that all season and work at it. And, and I probably would if the buck is big enough, but if there really isn't nothing coming together there, he could really randomly pop up anywhere. You start losing your skill and it comes more luck. Yeah. And at that point, I'd rather go move on to a different buck unless it's like, say it's so big, you can't walk past, but you know, um, most of the time I'll just walk away from that. Yeah. I don't want to hunt something where I can't put two and two together because it's going to be a struggle. This you know, you spot, got the odds in your favor. The thing about hunting that a lot of people don't get is it's all about odds. Yeah. You know, every little thing we do, we talk about a tactic or, you know, you know, a skill set or how we set up or how we set the stand, you, you know, how we go in, how close we get to the beds and stuff. Everything we do to to increase our odds might, you know, like me hunting 50 yards from the bed versus somebody hunting 200. I might have a 10% more chance of seeing that buck in daylight. You know what I mean? And every time you get those percentages, and it might not add up that huge, but if, you, if you're at, you know, uh, 20% odds and the guy you hunt with is at 7% odds, who's more right. likely to get? You know, you know what I mean? So everything you do is is just stacking those odds more and more and more. Everything you do right. Yep. And, and one of the things you can do wrong is hunt random spots. That's part of the reason I always want to be on a hunt where 
every sit, every sit I do, I want to believe fully that I'm going to shoot a mature buck. If I don't believe that, I don't even want to be there. I want to keep yeah. scouting. Yep. And that's what I, like, it was one of those things where uh, this spot, like, I got back to the truck, and I'm like, God, Lee, I feel like I wasted my time in there, you know. Um, I, I, I had a couple of uh, regular SD card cameras with me, and I just finally, I'm like, I'm just going to find my, the absolute, what I feel is the best deer trail and crossing and i just hung it up there and i'm gonna leave it you know yeah come back and and kind of see what i missed but uh i'm just not convinced that that area isn't a good area and i just missed something in there i think i need to go in there in the winter time or you know in the um i tried to go this winter and the creek was like seven foot deep i couldn't get across it <laughs> um so uh, i i i don't know i uh I honestly, I was, there's a, there's a swamp right by the parking lot, not very far from, not right by the parking lot, probably within a quarter mile of the parking lot, there's a swamp there. And, um, I, I kind of wrote it off and I just like, you got to walk almost through that swamp to get to the back, um, to go across those creeks and then get to the back of the property. And, uh, as I was walking through it, I kind of was like, there's a lot of decent amount of deer sign. And it also was full of that, uh, um, that arrowhead broadleaf stuff that mm -hmm. they like to eat i mean just it was like loaded with that stuff and then i kind of was like i'm gonna I'll, I'll look at this a little bit better when i um come back through to go back to the truck um and i got to the back there and there was uh between that swamp and the the back swamp there was three there was four different ladder stands in the woods right there but they were all kind of like in that in that those areas where it's like they put them up just to let's see where we can put it to where we can see the farthest, you know, it was like that mentality. They were just in the middle mm -hmm. of the river bottom, not next to anything. I mean, none of them were close to the back swamp. They were all, you know, far, far away. The only thing they had going for them was they were along that Creek. So I could see like during the rut or during gun season, maybe a buck would run that Creek getting away from someone or something, you know, or chasing a doe do or something. Do you think they're gun hunting stands or do you think they're bull hunting stands? They seem like gun hunting stands. I mean, Dan, they were literally in the middle of the river bottom, like just it's in the flood area there that it, there's no vegetation. I mean, nothing. Just mature trees is all it is. Mm. So, um, and they were pretty poor shape too. It looked like they hadn't been maintained very well. Honestly, they were, they were in the flood area. I mean, they were, the bottoms of them were all rusted out and everything else, but, um, so I kind of just wrote them off as I don't know how the heck it had to have been guys from the private putting them in there because um, I would, wouldn't think people would drag a ladder stand across those two creeks and through that swamp and everything else to get those back there. But I guess mm -hmm. they might have. Um, it looked like like there was there were three of them and they were pretty much the same ladder stand. It looked like they were maybe just three guys that gun hunt back there and they drug them back there one maybe day together. Yeah, could, 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 could be. Um but the the area that it's in, the guy that lives across the road from that public spot, I used to work with him, and he killed like a 187 on his property. So like, and that's I mean, it's within you know a quarter mile of where I was at. So I know there's big deer back there, but I um, I just didn't like I got I got that ca one camera back there. You could get in there with a canoe or a kayak, but. Uh, the, the creek was too low right now to do it. You couldn't, you know, you might as well be just be walking it. 
I guess if I really wanted to hunt it, I think what I would do is I would take a hard look at a map of it mm-hmm. and I figure out where the deer have to be, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's back by that swamp or whatever, or up by the road or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would cross off the stuff with the, you know, that's open floodplain and stuff like that, or yeah. it looks like there's some pressure. And, um, I would probably either drop cameras out there or I'd hunt it down. Yeah. Too. But I'd find out what's going on there. You know what I mean? And yeah, you could do that by like, if you hunt a, uh, say you break it up in 10 acres sections. I mean, you, you hunt 40 acres in, in four days. Yeah. You know, you can cover some ground and if you're hunting the best first, you're going to run across those bucks pretty quick. If they're in, mm-hmm. there. if you're not in there, right. you're going to have some bad hunts. But I mean, it's probably not as effective as hunting the uh, um, best spots, but if you take the best spot in each 10 acres, whatever it looks like, I mean, if each 10 acres that has the terrain that'll hold a buck, right? Right. I'm not necessarily saying open floodplain or something, right? Right. If you hunt that down, it does not take long to hunt down a big property. And then you can really mm. kind of, you know, and that's what I do when I, I find one of those properties, I see something so big, I can't go past it and it's got no good features that have sign on you know mm-hmm. yep i'm not done with this property i'll i'll i probably won't hunt it this year i probably will just let it be and then go in there this winter you can drop cams in i got i only got one in there right now so i don't know it's almost like a mm, it's almost like a man-made swamp like maybe i don't know how much i should talk about this but i guess i didn't see anything back there it's not a big deal but it's like they, uh, it's a big, big area that they made up, made up for duck hunters and it produced a bunch of good deer habitat too, essentially. But, mm-hmm. um, the only thing I think could be happening is there is a river on the backside of it and people are getting into it from the river. But, um, I would imagine the river's got a lot of duck hunting going on and if it's a duck hunting area. Yep. So, I mean, that. Uh, Deer like being around water. If the water's getting constantly duck hunted during the whole season, I think they might be further away from that river and water system than what you're thinking. That's a yeah. that's a pretty big clue there that it's a duck hunting area. Yeah. And the the parking lot that it's in is pretty secluded. Like or the parking lot on the opposite side of where the duck hunters would come in from is pretty uh secluded. So um doesn't get a lot of traffic in that that uh, area of the public so maybe maybe they are in that front swamp and i should have spent more time in there which i could i could buzz in there and scout that out in a couple hours wouldn't be a big deal so i might i may go back but um i didn't put any cameras up on the front uh but i might i might still do that um how often do you go into a spot and like percentage wise do you think of all your scouting that are is kind of a bust for you uh Geez, nowadays it seems like I'm pretty much on this stuff when I go out. Um, yeah. I usually at least find one spot that I like, mm-hmm. but that could be in four or five hours. Right. Uh, I, I check a lot of spots that are, say, per se, uh, are disappointing. Yeah. Where I'm not going to hunt there. But in the big picture, if I'm out scouting for a day, I think I generally find one or two spots. But I really. Um, most of the time when I'm scouting, I'm targeting certain areas for certain reasons. And that's why, because mm-hmm. I know I don't have that kind of success all the time. You know, like you go out of state and stuff and I can do a lot of walking before I get onto something, you know? Oh yeah. Yep. 
it does seem like, I mean, maybe I'm naive here, but it seems like about every property that's a decent size has a spot on it where there's a big buck living. I mean, there's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just being, I know uh, plenty of patient. places around here where there's no big bucks on them properties. I wouldn't even bother with, but yeah, you can kind of see it. You look at a map and you say, well, yeah. it's just flat, a lot of grass and there's trees, but they're on high ground and you can see that they're like mature, you know, and there's, you know, it's just like too easy of access. And then if you go out and scout those spots and well, then you're disappointed. So right. I'm, I'm particularly looking for, you know, hard access, water access, um, somewhere you got to walk two miles, something that's right along the road. There's no parking. I'm specifically looking for those spots that have that terrain and such where I think, uh, you know, your average guy might just try scouting everything that's close to their house or something, you know? Yeah. I found a, interesting thing out there about a piece of public around here the other day i probably won't do anything with it but uh my brother-in-law lives pretty close to a piece of public and there's a a homeless couple that lives in the parking lot of one of them and i was thinking to myself as he was telling me that story that i'm like what if that's a d- deterrent for people like where do they keep all the right. hunters at? Keep everybody out of <laughs> and he's real friendly with them because like, it's only like half a mile from his house and yeah. like, he like talks to him and stuff all the time he's a real personable guy and I was like, I wonder if I could, uh, I wonder if I could talk to them to ask them how many people hunt that and all this other stuff to get some in- intel. Uh, I don't know how long they can uh, camp out there. I guess they've been there for a long time. He said, like a couple of years, they've been living out of the uh, parking lot of the hotel of the uh, of the public there. Well, you wouldn't get away with that here. I know. That's what I was kind of shocked when he told me that. Um, he said they come and go, like they, but they they always end up park mm. there sleeping i guess but um crazy <laughs> it's kind of in a a rough area if you know what i mean yeah i was uh, saying you had some bad weather the other day right oh man i, was, yeah. uh, I didn't hear from you but i was watching the news and they were saying like there was like tornadoes all around your house they were showing yeah i uh i did a time lapse on the uh I put it up on the channel so everybody could see it, but uh, the clouds and stuff—it was crazy. Like the the storm blowing through, but yeah, it was all just north of us. There were all the tornadoes and stuff ended up passing through north of us, so it was all we were fine here. Freaking, we didn't get even. We probably only got a sixteenth of an inch of rain. We didn't get anything from it, but uh, north of us got it hit pretty hard. Uh, but it got pretty serious there for a minute. We had tornado sirens going off and the um the uh tv and stuff all the all that was on tv was the weatherman telling us to take cover and i was outside with the camera taking a time lapse of it all <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna make the news if i uh if a tornado came through <laughs> i just set that gopro up and it's waterproof and stuff so i wasn't real worried about it um yeah hit the hit the like button so i can pay my internet bill that's right. 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 <laughs> no, I don't have. So, um, I live in an area, I live between a river and I live right between a river and a road track. And there's only like four houses in this little area right here. And, uh, we called the, there's a really good internet server servers here, but they said that it's a nightmare to get to, um, get the line underneath the railroad tracks. So, uh, 
they can't get it to us. And then the river, obviously they can't really do much with that either. So we're kind of in this little area where I have T-Mobile internet, which it's good when it's working good, but sometimes it kicks on and off. So you got to be patient with me until RMC digs a hole underneath the railroad track and gives us high speed internet. But I did buy a cell booster. So when it is working, it's good, but I can upload stuff pretty fast. Surprisingly, your your internet's actually worse than mine, but you never have any. Your yours at least must stay on. I don't know. It's gotten better. I think uh, Carol was telling me we got some new provider. It's still uh, landline, but it's supposed to be super high speed. Yeah. Can you upload videos now on your YouTube? Uh, not much better. Oh, yeah. See, like I can. When mine, I, I, can, good, I upload a, like one of my average videos. Like, say it's you know um, forty minutes long. If I uh, go to upload that, that could take me like a whole day, like 12 oh, really? hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I take it over by uh, Junior's house and I have him upload it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's usually uploaded by the time I get home. From yeah. Driving to the house. Yeah. See, that, well, that's how mine is. Like a, if I, if I upload a 20 minute video, it'll take about, you know, 10 minutes to upload it. But uh, it just, is a little bit, it's kind of like your cell phone. It, it come it can come and go every now and again, which is what just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I did buy that cell booster and it it does give me more bars. Like I have it gave me like three more bars in my house instead of, you know, two bars. I have all of them now. But well the internet works a lot better on my computer than it does on my phone. My phone's failing all the time. Oh really? Anywho. Anywho. Um, we, we were we were wrapping up what we were talking about anyway um yeah i just uh it happens a lot and like i think people i uh i know people get real frustrated whenever they go scouting and don't find anything but like it happens and i think you just gotta keep your head down and keep keep going you know not every single piece of public has a great big buck on it um like dan was saying before i got kicked off the internet so yeah, you, you uh Want to see if anybody wants to call in or take a couple questions? I think that'd be good. Yeah. Let's uh we haven't done a call in for a while. Let me uh I'll put the link to get on in the comments right now. Just make sure you guys have decent internet. Kind of a uh, uh, hypocritical for me to say, but um and just make sure you're in our appropriate place because you'll be on the um on on live here. Riley is on again. He's the one that won the Osseo gear should have shipped yesterday, Riley, according to Joe. So be looking for, they do. I think they do pretty good, pretty fast shipping too. Um, Thursday, we're going to do the bow thing or what? Yeah, we should talk, we should talk about that. Yeah. We should probably mention that again. We mentioned it last week, but um, we'll pick the 10 people that's going to get Dan's shot at them for next week. So next week, be on here and we'll pick 10 people to um, most people kind of hope my arrows don't hit them yeah yeah unless it's unless it's just your name on the on the um oh maybe that's the pie we're gonna make maybe i can put a little weight Um, on the fire yeah uh so that's next week on we'll do that uh no it's not next week that's a two thursday two days from today we'll do that Thursday and then next week on Thursday we will uh, have Dan shoot the pie plate and um, go from there. All right, we have three people in line for call-ins. You ready to get to them? 
Yeah, let's do it. All right. Hey guys. Hey what Jake. Up, Jacob. Long time no see. Yeah. Um. So my question today. Um. I was wondering. Um. A lot of guys say there's not much use in finding beds this time of year. Um. Just because bucks won't be using the same beds as they do during the year. And one of the things that I found while scouting recently is um, I was scouting like an Oak Island in the middle of like a brush of cattails. And on the perimeter, when I was spring scouting, I found a bunch of bedding. But now this year I was just approaching the island to try and find bedding and I actually had a buck run right up to me. I think I sent you a picture of it, Dan, and then bedded like right in the center of that island. So I guess – would you guys think that that buck's going to repeat that pattern? He's just using that shade that is now there. And then they start to move towards those fringes towards the edges. Once the leaves kind of drop off, or do you see them kind of like using the same general areas, but making a little shift depending on foliage as the year progresses. Um, from my perspective, um, I want to say that you have to be the detective. Yeah. You have to be able to read the bedding. Now I just went out scouting the other day. Uh, just, couple days ago last weekend right and i found plenty of bedding that uh i looked at and said whoa this is this is bedding that's being used last fall and now and i saw bedding that i thought oh this is right now i can't be for sure that anything's bedding here at any other time so you can look at the terrain you can look at the types of plants like uh we were talking earlier the place i scouted was full of uh jewel weed and, and uh, uh stinging nettles and uh there's an oak tree full of acorns and it's the only oak around and, and there's good bedding points around there. I can be pretty certain that those beds are going to be used in September, you know? Um, so you got to be the detective. Yeah. If you just go out and find random beds, if you're just wandering through the woods, like a clown finding beds, they could be, you know, anytime you don't know what you're seeing, you have to be able to read what you see. So that's where the, um, the experience comes in uh, having looked at stuff before and like you said i mean you went in there in uh winter you saw beds from the fall then you go in there now you see bucks there you see the beds there um maybe you stumbled onto some primary bedding where they bed year round um maybe they at least bed there now in spring right or, or now in fall right at certain some point in time in fall so um does that answer your question yeah, yeah, absolutely. Josh, do you see a similar thing in the hills? I'm sure you probably, probably do. Yeah, I mean, um, kind of. I mean, I think a lot of times where we're looking at is probably typically like primary bedding anyway, right? Like, I mean, you picked that spot in the swamp because you thought it was good buck bedding area, and I think he probably was there because he thinks that too, you know. Mm -hmm. um, hills, I don't know, it's hard to say. Uh, kind of the same concept. I mean, a good a good buck bed's not really gonna um, change from time, you know, and, and time frames in, in the hills for the most part. Um, especially if it's already near food or something. Um, so, obviously, so right now, right now, if there's that's because you're basing it on terrain. So yeah. your average guy might go out there and look around, and he might find beds up on top or down in the grass in the valley and stuff. Those beds probably won't be there. You know, come. Uh, fall but you're looking at no i mean yeah i mean spots that create that bedding that we're looking for and they probably are bedding there periodically year round correct yeah but I, I think if you're like if 
you know, Jacob, like if you go in that, if you're in that area and you're like, oh, that's a, that could be a really good buck bedding area. And he ran in there and laid down. Like it's probably, it probably is, you know, whereas right. if, if you're just walking through the, I don't know, the river bottom, like I was in this week and, and it's thick in there right now because there's a lot of vegetation, but you know, if he just, if you jumped one in there where you look around, there's like no way there's going to be anything in here in October, or November, then, right. You know, you could, but he's in that area. You know, yeah, maybe early season for us, right? Remember, but yeah. yeah. Also, gonna say you better watch out because Dan was doing really, really good solo on this podcast. So I think he's uh, doing a weird job here. Yeah, let's take two minutes to read a question. He has his glasses right. on, so at least he can kind of yeah. see. Yeah, if I didn't have my glasses on, I'd just been like Homer Simpson, just. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so Jacob, while while, while you're on here. Uh, that show we're doing at the end of the July in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the what's it called, Josh? Mobile Hunter Expo. Mobile Hunter Expo, yeah. Mobile Hunter Expo has been extended through Sunday, so it's the whole weekend. Oh, that's awesome! And it's I Sunday I got Expo. off on Friday, so I'll be there all three days then. Okay. Nice. Sweet. Dan, you should uh, go yeah. for a seminar. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, we're gonna uh, do thanks, a live show there, I believe, right? Yeah. Right, yep. Sweet. Yep. Probably one a day. Nice. No. All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks man. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. All right. Onward. Change your sentence. Butch. Hey guys. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, you? Yeah. Actually, actually, I have two questions if you don't mind. Um, yeah. I'm hunting two different areas. I scouted some benches. On the one, I know you guys say that deer don't tend to use the top of a ridge. This bench is right off of the Razorback Ridge, and this thing is so narrow. I mean, it's probably 30 feet at its widest, and it is thick. Now, my question is, I found some beds on the bench that are about a third of the way on the leeward side. Is this, would you consider hunting this ridge if you can get an opening? I mean, a deer could walk down this without being seen. It's got a high stem count and it's got mountain laurel on both sides of it. And there's no way he's being seen. He's not getting, you know, daylighted on the ridge or anything. So is that a better way to get down? He, he, it, this ridge actually curves as it goes down into the it's, it's kind of like a thermal hub at the bottom so my thinking is is it worth hunting this to try and catch him either coming out in the afternoon out of those beds on the bench or trying to get him coming up to those beds in the morning so for me I think that it's worth a try um, what what I'm hearing though is, is, or what I'm imagining as I'm listening to you is uh, a very hard scenario with thermals and stuff that maybe you got to yeah. just get the right setup. Um, Josh, you hunt a lot of hills. What do you think? Oh, I completely agree. I think I I I wouldn't roll out hunting up there for sure. I mean, maybe you know maybe he's bedding somewhere on that bottom third, but he'll come up there to travel to go wherever he's going, you know, it's, it's hard for me to imagine exactly what you're talking about there, Butch, but, um, if it's the, if you're, if you're describing it, um, and you know, if it's how you describe it, I think, a, I think a deer would 
use the top to go somewhere if he needed to, you know. I mean, I found some old rubs up there, and I found one semi-recent rub. Um, and I've, I've looked at this several years, but I've never actually hunted it um, because of it being so thick. I just didn't. I mean, there's a little bits and pockets here and there where you could get off on the one side and, and shoot to a pocket on the ridge. But like I said, the stem count up there is really, really high. It's a lot of small, like one inch saplings are all over the place. And Yeah. That's another problem you could have is like, if it's a, you know, that Razorback, sometimes those are just tough to, you're like almost on yeah. top of them, you know? That, yeah, exactly. And you won't see him until he pops into the hole. I mean, yeah, that's that's how that's how crazy it is up there. But yeah. Right. Well, I don't know if we helped you in here, Butch, but that's the best. We no, can it, do. It, it does. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, thanks, Butch. <laughs> thanks, guys. Bye. All right, let's see here. Got another one. Hey, Matt. Howdy. How's it going? Good. good. Good, good. All right. So, Dan, to go off of my uh, my question that you're reading before. Um, so I guess I'm I had a similar um, circumstance before I started watching uh, the hunting beasts and all that stuff. So I didn't really know how to put two and two together. Um, I was hunting on uh, top of a ridge and there's a, a strip of um, like a strip of slim trees going down to uh, kind of like a an oak tree in the bottom of the hill. Well, this whole strip of trees is all ripped up, all rubbed up the whole way up. So I was like, eh, I don't, this is probably something I want to pay attention to. I hunted it in the morning and I ended up seeing something, a nice real big eight-pointer, and it was during rub, uh, rut time. Um, now, what I'm referring to with this question is this spot that I found, there's, there's like a like I said, there must have been over a hundred rubs, but it was probably like three, two, three years old. Um, and the backside of this corner, about a hundred yards, there's a swamp. Now to the left of this area, it's kind of elevated. Um, there's more, more field and another little strip of, uh, woods with a, a private pond. But this woods that that uh, all those rubs are on, that's probably a good, I want to say, maybe 80 acres. Uh, it's kind of lowland. It kind of gets flooded. There's a little stream that goes through this this uh, this woods. Now, like I said, I don't know how I'm supposed to be reading this rubs that I'm seeing here. Is this something more just like midnight action, or is this like you would think more of a, a rut action, or something they're checking does for? bedding or whatever it's really hard to say without actually looking right. at it i mean um there's a good chance you're coming out of the low land and rubbing that when they go into the fields to feed and stuff but it, it could be in the middle of the night which is kind of likely if there's no you know bedding right there um but it is a good clue it tells you something's around there and if you're larger rubs um i mean yeah they're all chest high at least i mean very yeah i mean it's probably a good place to have a. Uh, a cell cam or something where you monitor what's going on when it's going on right um but um a lot of it could be the type of tree i mean is it a different tree than what's in the rest of the woods like is it aspen or something um i mean me telling tree types uh, probably not the best question to ask but they all look they all look very similar and they're all very hard it's not a soft tree 
is it a smooth bark tree and it's yeah. uh yeah yeah i, I bet you an aspen tree um what we we call poplar up here sure. um I mean, those trees um bucks have a really hard time walking past them without rubbing them okay and if you get a patch of those they'll rub every one in the patch and it'll stand out to a hunter um because you'll come up to this patch of uh, aspen trees that'll have 150 200 rubs in it and there'll be all different sizes you'll be like oh i had a gold mine and in a lot of cases you know sometimes it's true sometimes it's not but in a lot of cases um there's no more deer going through there than any place else it's just that they can't walk past those trees without rubbing them they right. love aspen trees and those aspen trees grow in a little group so um it's a good place to monitor i look at it as kind of like a mock scrape you know the deer's going to a position but he's already in the area right you, you know what i mean he's already coming through or something he's not going to walk across the woods to get the mock scrape right right so it tells you that there's deer there and it's just a matter of you could monitor him at that position but i think what you should do is like work your way out from there and try to figure out where the deer that are making those rubs are betting sure where they could be and i don't necessarily think it's going to be right there it could no. but it, i mean i i've mentioned more likely to be a distance away and i think that's where a cell cam can help you because a camera in there is going to give you the intel of what time of day it's being rubbed whether it's middle of the night whether it's right. you know right after dark whether it's right at dark whether it's in the morning and a regular camera is going to give you that intel too late not too late too late it's good for the next year like josh a lot of times he's really good at being patient putting a camera out and uh, using that intel for future years but if you put a cell cam in there you can use it that intel this year without sure. going in there right sure. so you know when a deer is using it or whatever and you're getting an idea and at the same time while you're seeing the deer activity you can start plotting to walk okay, well, where is he betting at and it's a nice unintrusive area because it's on the edge of a field yep. you could even literally use a regular camera and just be careful about how often you check it but uh i would prefer a cell cam if you're actually going to use it for during the hunting season right but i think that should be monitored i don't think you're really going to kill a deer right there i think that's like a hunter trap that's the average spot you're most guys are going to come out there and go holy crap, all the deer are coming in the field at this corner. And if we're that easy, everybody would be killing giant bucks. And yeah, that's where I was going with that. I, I didn't want to make it a spot, but like just kind of waste my time because I knew it was like something that eye candy, as I call it, you know, and right. I just, I mean, I, I, I traveled further back and I, and I did find some real good areas where I uh, found fresh bedding and a nice big eight pointer that I kind of accidentally kicked up, but I just wanted to, I don't know, throw it at you and see what you thought probably a good spot to get a good inventory too sure mm -hmm. find out what lives on the property sure you any uh insight on that josh no not really i mean i think that's a good plan um yeah i mean i i don't i very very rarely see a bunch of rubs like that we don't we have um we don't have as many uh bucks as you guys do so we don't i don't run into that scenario much but yeah just i you're you definitely in the right area. Do you? No, no, we don't have hardly any Aspen here, but you're definitely in the right area. Like Dan said, there's like, you gotta start working your way back. You could even just, you know, if you don't know exactly where they're bedding this, uh, this season, um, you know, do your best guesses on, on a map and kind of just throw a few hunts in there and see what happens if you don't have something better. And that's where I, I got so many pieces of public and, and even private that I hunt. That, that's what, that's why, not afraid to just throw a camera somewhere and leave it and go check it in the winter time. Cause 
um, they don't know, you know, what I missed, but. Right. Um, All right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Cool, Matt. Have a good one, man. You too. All right. All right. Got one more here. Ryan was in the back of the line. Thanks for being patient, man. No worries. Thank you. Can you hear me all right? Loud and clear. All right. Awesome. Hey, uh, I'm up in New Hampshire, and uh, our season starts on September 15th. And um, so last year, um, I've – this actually one above me is the biggest buck I've ever shot. And I've never even seen another deer bigger than that until last year. Um, September 24th, it was probably 30, 40 mile an hour winds. I was hunting in a cut in a preset stand. Um, and I had a, I wouldn't say it was 11 or 12 pointer coming to the right of me. And I was getting nervous and I hit, I hit him high on the shoulder, um, got all excited basically until I saw little drops of blood here and there. So long story was a, it was a non-lethal hit. I got a dog on it, um, tracked it all day. The dog brought us back to his, his, um, his bed, which I was about 80 yards in front of the whole day. But he was, he was bedding 80 yards behind me. I don't know if he could smell me or the wind because of the heavy winds. He was getting nervous and got up and started feeding around. But basically my question is basically, do you think that there's a chance that if he's still alive, he would be back in that bed this year or is going in and kind of second part to that, like if, if going in now possibly going to affect if he's, if it's a summertime bedding spot. You know, um, I've had a lot of interactions with big bucks over the years, and I've watched them bed in the same spots over and over again. I can't recall a one that I've ever shot at or had a had them bust me that bedded in that spot again, and and I was able to. Now I take that back. I have had some that have busted in spots that have busted me, but yeah. I've never had a chance in the same tree. I've had to move around how they come out. Um, but I have heard people tell stories that have had that happen. Um, I, I think there's didn't. a possibility, but I would say that if, if a, a mature buck bedded there, you're probably onto something. Then there's probably other ones that are bedding there because they, there's no mistakes made by a mature buck. If they bed in an area, there's a good reason for it. You know, most of the time, um, I'll hunt a very large area. And once I get that area learned, no matter how many times I hunt, that or how, how well I hunt the whole area or everybody I know that hunts there, all the big bucks will come up of two or three spots in that area. I mean, you can kill deer and nice bucks throughout the whole thing, but as far as mature ones, they're really picky about their bedding spots. And I think it has a little more to do with airflow, you, you know, having good cover, having good escape. There's a lot of ingredients. And uh, if it was holding a good buck, whether that one comes back or not, it's probably going to hold another one. Yeah, it was it was thick, nasty briars, so thick that the dog didn't even want to go in. Um, and got in there, and it's this little hole in a in a bunch of briars and and whips. And uh, there was a rock, and you could see the imprint of the bed in front of the rock. Um, and I figured, being you know, if he's that old, he'd feel comfortable in there and kind of not know what hit him, kind of thing, and get curious and and 
you know, if he's comfortable with it, come back. And I didn't know if putting a cell cam near that spot would mess it up with me yeah, going in there. I don't think it would hurt you as long as you just uh, put it in there and left it alone. You know, yeah. get it in there early enough that it's not around the time you're going to be hunting. I think you're making a effect on those deer for about 30 days when you put a camera. That's okay. been my opinion. And my opinion is like that because of uh, studying what I get on cameras. Usually, okay. usually what I'll get is like a, uh, when I look back at my, my pictures is when I first put the camera out there, the first day or two, I'll get a lot of deer on it. No, I'll be staring at the camera, checking the camera out. And then it'll, the deer sightings will go way down. And just start coming back after about 15 to 20 days. They'll start coming back. They'll be a little nervous. And after about 30 days, they just seem to flow through like they don't care. So I like to have the camera well in advance, you know, with the cell cam. Yeah, sooner than later. I, I was going to pick a nice stormy day and go out there when it's raining and, and yeah, hang on. That might knock what I'm saying down a lot. Yeah. I think actually more than stormy is real windy is, is the best. Okay. Uh, I think wind uh, knocks your scent out of there better than rain does. Awesome. What do you think about that, Josh? Yeah, I think you're okay if you go do it here pretty soon. I think you'll be all right for September, um, especially if you're just going in there to throw a cam and you're not going to go in there and, like, bust through the bedding area, you know. But Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. I was holding, trying to hold that in before you got off here, but couldn't. Um, no. Yeah, you leave a lot more scent when you go in there and you like uh, set up a tree and you you mess around and stuff and you hunt in an area than you do just sliding in, sliding up a camera and sliding out. That was my thing. I didn't know if I should move my setup because it's still it's still where it was last year. I didn't touch it, so I didn't know if I should move it or just leave it where it is and put another one. You know, kind of keep him guessing, kind of thing. If he if he's mobile uh, setup at all. What's that? Do you got a mobile setup at all? I do. I use a little bit of a little bit of both methods. Mm -hmm. So I have a saddle. I have hang-ons. Anything. Yeah, you, could try, you could try like hunt, hunting on that stand and then shifting. But if it's really close to the bedding, I think I'd make sure I'm in the right spot. Yeah, I didn't realize how close I was until the dog showed me. So, so, so for so for me, a lot of times when I go into a spot like that, you you know you got that stand up that's there. I'll go in and I'll slide in and. I'm not seeing the sign. I'm looking. I might slide around a little bit and find the, you know, and have my mobile gear with me. And if all the signs were where the stand is, well, I'm going to the stand. If it's not, maybe I shift over a little or something. Or maybe it's one of those situations which I don't know because I'm not there. You only have one tree you can hunt on for that area. Yeah, there's isolated oaks in there, but it's briars. I mean, they anything in there is going to hear you coming from a mile away, so it's pretty hard to sneak through unless it's windy or rainy. So. Most, most of my good spots, I mean, are really, like, I've got one spot I can get into because really there's no trees and stuff. Those big bucks aren't in areas where all the hunters are, you know? Yeah. Nobody's going in there. I'm the only one, so. But I appreciate it. All right, man. Thank Thanks, you. Man. Good luck this fall. Let's do a couple questions and we'll hop off here, Dan. All right. Uh, yell at me if you've already answered these while I was on my little break there. Um John asked, how many second shot opportunities at Big Bucks have you had missing the first shot? How about you? I, I've never had that happen to you. I mean, I've never, uh, you know, missed one and got another arrow in it before. Um, God, I can think of two right off the bat. And those are both on video. 
Mm -hmm. Um, there's probably more than the two. Um, I can think of one time when I shot, uh, at a doe that was out in the field, there was a group of them passed through, shot the one and she took off running and died about 10 yards from where I shot her. And all the other ones just stood her staring and I shot another one. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I shot the one at Dave's that I shot, uh, I actually hit it. I shot it through the lower chest, but I think it actually went like, um, uh, under the rib cage or maybe just into it a little bit, but didn't, uh, hit anything vital, but it was bleeding, bleeding pretty good. It ran out about, uh, 20 yards, looked around and walked back and started feeding again. And I shot it again. Yeah. Um, I remember that. Yeah. And then there was, uh. One a long time ago in hill country, a smaller buck, like a, a two-year-old eight-pointer I shot that uh, it came in and looked up at me in the tree when I went to run. I tried to shoot it and I was right on it, but the arrow hit this little tiny sapling about this big around, stuck in the sapling in line with its heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, it barreled out to about 40 yards, turned around to look at me, and I launched another one and drilled it. Mm. So I can think of those two right off the bat. Uh, probably because they were successful, but I think there's been a couple that I've shot at and uh, missed. They don't know what happened, and you know. Yeah, shot. I I guess the very first deer I ever shot with a bow, I I shot it twice. Um, but I never had 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 that happen very many times. Um, let's see here. Alex had a question. He says, "I have some cameras around a bedding area that I like." Um, I have a decent amount of daylight, big buck picks throughout the season. However, not a single buck is the same one. Am I on the right spot? I would say so. If you're a good yeah. buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, sure. um, my camera show, um, when I'm in a good buck bedding area, every buck in the area uses it. They're not always there. I mean, um, I've hunted spots and uh, uh, the buck you're hunting shows up and I've hunted spots and other bucks show up. And most of the time when I'm hunting are bucks that are non-target bucks come out if the buck that I'm after don't come out. Um, so, yeah, I would say you're in the right spot. It's just the timing of when the buck you're after is in there. Yeah. And also just because you only got one picture of that buck doesn't mean he's not walking around somewhere else or hasn't. Coming out a little yeah. different. Yep. Um but yeah, if you're getting daylight pictures of bucks, you're on to something, you know. Now, if they're all one or two year olds, well, then maybe not. But uh, sure. if you're getting yeah. some mature bucks in there, yeah, I would, uh, I would say you're on to something. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Uh, getting through here. You must have put that question. Alex must have put that question in here uh, four or five times because I keep seeing it as I'm scrolling down. He must have kept. Uh, he really wanted us to answer that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we helped you, man. All right, let's see here. Tony asks, "Do buck beds near lake points the same way they do creeks and rivers?" No. You said no. No. Um. <laughs> So with, what a deer needs um, on a point is good escape or any bedding area. Mm-hmm. Good escape is number one for mature bucks. I'm not saying they won't bet on a point that goes out into a lake, but the reason they bet on a point 
is because um, it narrows down the focus of where danger comes from. Mm-hmm. And on a lake, it really narrows it down. They come right down the point of land to them, right? Mm-hmm. But where do they escape from? So if they jump up from that bed when you're coming down to point, what are they going to do? Run into the lake? Swim across the lake? It doesn't seem like a safe escape. So they're looking for cover to escape. So a point on, on a hill, they can drop down the valley. If you're coming from above, they can run up the hill and over. If you're coming from below, um, they can monitor all the way around the point one way or another with the wind, the thermals, or the, the site. If you're sitting in a, um, uh, a point in a, you know, in a woodlot or, you know, a field, point that goes into a field, mm-hmm. um, they can be monitoring the field with either sight or smell, and they can be monitoring the woods with either sight or smell. And either way, they got an escape, but they need cover. They, uh, they don't. They don't want to walk. They don't want to run across open fields. They don't want to swim across the lake. And even if a river is too big, an oxbow starts losing its appeal. You know, if they got to swim across, you know, like uh, forty yards of water or something, or if they have to actually swim rather than just run through the water. So yeah, lakes are not as good as other types of points. I haven't hunted very many lakes. We don't have any around here, really. Um, that are around public, but... Land, you thanks know, for... The, the lakes I hunt by uh, um, the swamps, where it's cattails against the lakes. Now, that's a little different, because they bet on that stuff, because they could escape out the sides. Yeah. Because they got the solid cattail escape. Right. But it's not as really as tight a point, so you get a point that goes way out into the water, they're not there. Right, right. Also, find that it seems like uh, people like to screw around on those, like like people go up there and camp and lake points, yeah, yeah, all that kind of crap all the time. Oh, fishermen like. both those points. And... Yep. Uh, Tony, thanks for the super chat, man. He had a, had a question that went along with it. He says, "What is the smallest parcel of land where you feel mobile hunting is better than preset stands for quiet access and, and setup? Forty acres, sixty acres, a hundred acres." It's kind of spot specific. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it has anything to do with acres. So for me, um, if I'm looking at, uh, I can think of a 20 acre spot that I used to hunt. There's only really one spot to hunt in there, but I certainly wasn't putting a uh, permanent stand in there because there was uh, three trees you could hunt out of based on the wind mm-hmm. and cover all the trails without the deer wind in you. Mm-hmm. And it would change how I went in a little bit but I could either put three permanent stands there or I could go mobily, which here I wouldn't anyways, cause I'm public land. I gotta, I gotta, yeah. be um, but per se, if it was private or if this was a place where I could put them, I still wouldn't put the stands there cause I'd have to put three there. So I just go in yeah. mobily. But, uh, so there's other spots like a Dave's where it's private land. I can have a permanent stand and I have a spot where there's really only one tree that works covers everything for a certain wind well i might as well as have a permanent stand there especially if i'm within like 60 70 yards of that deer bedded why do i want to make noise setting a stand up if i can put a permanent stand there right so it really has nothing to do with acres mm-hmm. yeah one of the nice things about hunting mobile too is like you're uh, you're less likely to have the temptation of just over hunting a spot too you know mm-hmm. um You'll find when you put those permanent stands up, you'll get deer to come out and look for the for you in the tree. Yeah. Even if you only hunt once or twice a year, they learn that tree. So, I mean, just being in a tree a little over can throw them off. Yeah, for sure. 
Thanks, Michael, for the super chat. Michael Witt, not related to Tyler Witt. And uh, Joel, thanks for joining the membership, man. Let's see here. Let's see if we got any more questions at the bottom here. Has Dan ever hunted Northwest Ohio? Northwest? I don't think so. I think just uh, southern where I've been at, right? Yep. I haven't either. I've hunted northeast and northwest Indiana, or northeast Indiana, but never um, um, never in Ohio. Thanks for the, yeah. Thanks for the super sticker. Um, the witch was from the beginning. <laughs> I thought you had a question at first, but it's just your username is kind of long there, man. <laughs> Thanks, though. All right, let's see here. Make sure we don't have any more uh, deer hunting Cajun. Welcome to the membership, man. We, uh, you've been on here since the beginning, so it's good to see you over there. Um, uh, I think it's all, Dan. Let's get off here. All right. I got to go blow my nose, too. So, <laughs> All right, everybody. See you Thursday night. We'll do the give. We'll we'll announce the uh, what, what we call that the the people we're going to put on the uh, target. Yeah, we'll announce the finalists for the giveaway on uh, Thursday night. So yeah, see you guys beforehand. Maybe you can fit more than ten people on there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Ten seems like a good amount good of people. Number. Yeah. So, all right, everybody. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye.